I'd like to invite Emma up to read our passage this morning. The reading this morning is from Hebrews. It will be on the screen, but if you want to look it up, it's on page 1209 in the Pew Bibles. Um, And it's it's, uh, chapter 10, and we're starting at verse 19. It's called, A Call to Persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another forwards, to spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It was last year, I think, that Simon and I went to Rome. Was it last year? Oh, yes, I've talked about it enough. It was last year that we went to Rome. Um, Might have told you this story. (laughs) Um, We went to visit the Sistine Chapel, which a lot of people know that I loved. Um, And when we went to visit it, there was an option to also go to St Peter's as well to look around there which we really wanted to do now you could get a ticket to go around the Vatican Museum and into the Sistine Chapel and then um, you had to walk all the way back out and then you had to queue again to get into St Peter's to go and see that but our guide who wasn't actually a guide he just got us into the museum and then left us but that was fine because we were happy with that it it, it was organised he didn't just leave us Um, He said, well, there is a way that you can get from the Sistine Chapel into St. Peter's. There's a door that links the two, so you don't have to go back out and queue again. The thing is, it says you don't have the tickets that allow you to do this, but everyone does it. So all you have to do is just pretend that you've got the tickets and just boldly go up and follow everyone else through. And so we were like, oh, do you think we should do that? And we were like, well, do you know, why not? It's not like... You know, we're cheating anyone. It's just we're getting in quicker than going back out and queuing again. So we decided that we would do this. Now, I have to tell you that when I do things like this, I get very nervous <laughs> because, you know, I shouldn't be doing it. In theory, we, we paid and everything, so, you know, it wasn't wrong in that sense. And so we went into Sistine Chapel, and I'm enjoying it all, and then we had to do this go through the door. And Simon's like, come on, let's just do it. So we're walking through, Simon's bold as anything, not because he likes to do things that are wrong, but bold as anything. Walks, and I'm going, oh, they're going to assist, they're going to assist, they're going to assist. They just, Kate, keep walking, just keep walking, just act confident. Anyway, there's so many people doing it, hundreds trying to get through this one door, that no one was bothered, and we snuck through. Well, we didn't, we walked through. But, you know, I felt really nervous, because... 
When I'm getting into places that maybe I shouldn't be, or when I'm doing something that I'm not technically allowed to do, I always think I'm going to be found out that someone is going to stop me. I remember when I was younger, we used to go motor racing quite a lot, and my mum and dad used to go into these hospitality suites. You had to be a certain age to go into them. They knew people, so they went in. And they would just say, oh, come on, girls, you can come in. Just stay quiet in a corner. Well, I spent the whole time petrified that someone was going to tap me on the shoulder and go, out, you're not allowed, too young. No one ever did, but I didn't enjoy myself. It's like when my friend and I went to Wimbledon and uh, we were wandering around and we got to the centre court openings and my friend thought, oh, can we go in? We haven't got tickets, but can we go in? And the, the guard on the door went, yeah, go on, you can just go in. Just find a seat that's empty. Sit down. We went and sat down. My friend was loving it. I was petrified. I don't know who was playing. I don't know what was going on. I just kept looking over my shoulder thinking someone's going to come in and arrest me because I shouldn't be here. Because, you know, when you think you don't belong or you feel you shouldn't be allowed somewhere, you can't relax and you can't enjoy what's going on. You can't have confidence about the situation that you're in. Which is really why this letter to the Hebrews was written in the first place. It was written, you see, to Jewish Christians, Christians who had been brought up in a certain tradition, the Jewish tradition. Christians who had followed the ways of Judaism most of their lives. People who knew that there were specific rules to follow when you followed God. They'd grown up knowing the importance of having special priests there to approach God on your behalf. They'd grown up knowing the importance of having a curtain in the temple that separated ordinary everyday people from the holy of holies where God was. They'd grown up knowing the importance of rules and sacrifices and rituals when you approached almighty God. They knew that only certain people could go into the most holy place behind that curtain, whereas the rest had to stay outside and hope that their sacrifices would be accepted. And even though Jesus had come, even though Jesus had made things different, even though the Son of God had given his life and the curtain in the temple had been torn in two and a new way had happened, they still feared that they weren't really allowed to draw near to God themselves. And so the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, the Jewish Christians, writes to reassure them that they, ordinary, everyday people, belonged before God. And he does this throughout the whole chapters leading up to the bit that we read by saying that Jesus is greater than Moses the greatest person that they'd ever known in their faith, by saying that, in fact, Jesus is the great high priest who walks through that curtain and makes a new way for them, by saying that Jesus has made a new covenant, a new agreement that's very different to all they've known before, by saying that he's opened up a new way of meeting God, so that now there's no longer any need for a big curtain separating God from ordinary human beings. And now there's no longer any need to have special people, priests, who approach God on behalf of everyone else. There's no longer any need to have sacrifices and rituals and rules when approaching God. Because now everyone, everyone, all people can belong because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Or 
as the Message Bible says, so friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God, so we can approach him. Now, I don't know about you, but as someone who has never belonged to a special club or ever been in an elitist organisation, I find this brilliant. You know, the fact that you can approach someone so mighty and special without anything special yourselves. It's such good news, because what the passage is saying is that because of what Jesus has done, because of the sacrifice he has made, because Jesus died instead of us, because of his great love for us, we belong. We belong with him. And we don't have to do the right thing all the time. We don't have to wear the right clothes. We don't have to understand the right words or, or fit in with the right crowd or be of a certain age. We don't have to be an adult to approach God ourselves. We don't even have to be able to read, write and do our arithmetic. But it's good that we do know that. We don't have to when we approach God. We can draw near to the one who created us just the way that we are. Do you know there's a story that goes like this, that during the war between the states in America, a young soldier from the Unionist army lost his older brother and his father. And so he managed to get some leave to come to Washington because he wanted to go and see President Lincoln and he wanted to ask if he could be excused from fighting so he could go home to help his sister and his mother look after their land and he could look after them. And so he went to Washington and he went up to approach the White House and there was a guard on duty who, of course, said, I'm sorry, you can't come in. You can't just walk into the White House and see the president. No one can do that. And he explained his situation and they said, well, I'm sorry, no. You've got to be a bit more special to be able to just walk into the White House. So the soldier went and sat down on a bench, disheartened. And a little boy came up to him and he said, oh, what, what's the matter? Why are you looking sad? Soldier explained all about what happened, how he'd lost his brother and his father, and he wanted desperately to be excused from fighting to go home to his sister and his mother. And the little boy listened, and he said, I can help. And so he took the soldier's hand, and he walked him towards the White House, and he walked him through the front gate. No one seemed to take any notice, and the soldier thought, this is a bit weird. And he walked him into the White House itself. No one stopped them. He said, well, can they not see us? What's the problem? And he walked right down the corridors. And he walked into the Oval Office without even knocking, just opened the door and walked straight in, holding the soldier's hand. And the president, who was at his desk, planning war strategies, looked up and he said, Good morning, Todd. Can you introduce me to your friend? And the little boy turned and said, Hello, Daddy. I've brought this soldier. He needs to speak to you about something urgent. And the soldier pleaded his case to the president. And you know, as we approach God, it's the same for us. Jesus takes our hand and we walk straight up to God. No one's going to stop us. No one has the authority to tell us to leave or to do anything other than boldly approach God. 
which is what we're going to do this morning, which is what we do when we take communion. We boldly approach God. We approach this table, which Jesus invites us to. He takes our hand and he says, you belong. You are welcome. Whatever you've done, whatever's happened, whatever you can or can't do, come with me and you can eat and you can drink because you are welcome. As we prepare ourselves for communion, though, we're going to use our little bits of paper and our pens. So hopefully everyone's looking around desperately. What should I do with that? The Bible in Hebrews tells us to draw near to God with a sincere heart. To draw near to God in full assurance of faith. To have our hearts sprinkled. To be cleansed of a guilty conscience. And so we have opportunity as we approach communion, as we boldly come before God, to maybe write down things on our bit of paper that we don't want to be in the way of us and God. Maybe things that we have done, things that have happened in our life, things that we have been thinking Things that we think, actually, we don't want to be thinking of that. We don't want that in our lives as we approach God. We want to say sorry. We want to get rid of it. So it's an opportunity to write. You could draw a picture. You don't have to write. It could be something you've done. Maybe, I don't know what people have done. Or something that's happened, something you're thinking, or something that's going on in your life that you don't really want in between you and God when you approach. They'll give you an opportunity to do that on the bit of paper. And then when you've done that, during our next song, I'd like to invite you to come up to the front. Over this side, there's a shredder. And over this side, there's a shredder. And as we sing the next song, we're going to, if you'd like, shred our bits of paper as a sign that God forgives whatever. God forgives us. And God invites us to come with clean hearts towards him. So just have a few moments to maybe write or draw something on the bit of paper that you've got.